I'm all wired up. If I am electrocuted to death and fall shaking on the floor, somebody please call 911. There's enough electronics in about an eight-foot square space here to uh, tie down an elephant. Um, welcome to New Life Christian Center Online. Uh, we're excited to be back. Uh, I will be honest with you, we're not excited that we're not a church full of people. I'll just be real honest about that. But um, uh, we're excited to be here. We're excited, as I mentioned earlier, to have some new equipment that will help us with this. Thank you, Josh, and the rest of the team, Michaela, Jonathan, all the people behind the scenes uh, that are making this happen. It wouldn't happen without you guys. I want you guys out there in Facebook and online world to uh, make sure and give these guys some props and some thanks. They're doing a fabulous job. This has been a real learning experience. But we're excited to take that learning experience. We're excited to take that learning experience to the next level as time goes on. So uh, stay tuned for the long haul. That's kind of our topic for this morning is the long haul. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, post in your thoughts and ideas on what what uh, your parents, how your parents encourage you to get through this long journey. That's going to be kind of our writing theme. But before we get there, before we get there, I have a few things that I wanted to share. Hey, if you're watching, uh, there's a couple of ways you can watch this. You can watch it live on Facebook. Many of you are doing that right now at this very second. Howdy. Howdy out there. Glad you're here. Share this with uh, your friends. Do a, do a watch party. Share it with your friends. Get the Word of God out further and broader. It'll be the cheapest way that you will ever evangelize your friends on Facebook. I guarantee it. It's one click away. So do a watch party. Uh, two, you can, you can link into our website and catch the video after the fact. Uh, and... Um, so that's kind of the second way, is you can catch it through our website. There's a link there on our homepage, uh, nlccaddy.com, to, uh, uh, to watch it. Because uh, we want to know how you're doing. Hey, this isn't about me. I'm doing great. Life's kind of moved on for me, and, and uh, I'm as busy as ever farming. I'm wearing my awesome Hawaii shirt because I thought, you know, it's a beautiful sunny day. It's like, forget about the dark clothes. Uh, and the clouds and the rain. I'm going all out, bright clothes. I'm excited for today. But we want to know how you guys are doing. Are you doing great? Are you doing horrible? Uh, um, perhaps we as a church can be a blessing if you're struggling, and uh, we'd love to do that. A few questions before we even get into the sermon. A few questions that we received, that the leadership's received, that we want to at least kind of address as much as we can at this point. One is, when will this all be over? We don't have a clue. Uh, we don't have a clue. We're going along with mandates that, that we've been given. Obviously, you know where our desire is, but we really don't have a clue. Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon, because we really miss getting together. Uh, the second question is, is, what will church be like when we return? That's a great uh, question. It perhaps is a question that's hard to answer right now. Um, a couple of things. I wrote down three things. One, the building's going to be the same size and shape. But there's going to be some changes. If you haven't been here in a month and a half to two months, there's going to be a few changes. So be excited about that. I won't give you any more of a spoiler than just that right there. There's a few changes. It is the same size and shape inside and out. Uh, but no doubt we will probably interact a little differently. We don't know what that looks like. Uh, how we worship together. Hey, that's what I'm looking forward to. I want to blow the roof off of this building the first week that we get back together with worship and praise and excitement and a huge celebration. So that's what I'm looking 
looking forward to. The third and last question that I have is, what about offerings? What about our tithes? How do we, how do we handle our tithes? And there's a few ways. Uh, one, you can mail it to the church. You can get on the website and uh, get the church's address off the website, 1472 uh, Highway 395 South, Addy, Washington. Um, you can do a money order if that doesn't work, if mailing it doesn't work. Um, you can call one of the elders or one of the deacons, and you'll find all those guys also on the website. So, and they can assist you and bring it here if you wish in a sealed envelope um, and deliver it for you. We are, we are looking into an online option of giving. Um, the deacons have been working hard on that. There's, there's a lot of different platforms that we could use and link in. We're trying to discern what's the best platform for our church. And so that's only in the works. Um, but uh, trust me, I think that uh, we'll be going to that sooner rather than later. And so, all right, let's get started. Let's get started. Hey, uh, as I started a little teaser video last night, uh, I want to pick right up where we left off last night in that little teaser video. And if you didn't see it, you can see it after the sermon. Don't go away from me now, but you can see it later on and it'll all make sense. But I want to start off there thinking about this longest road trip, the longest road trip that you've ever been on. Perhaps you were a kid sitting in the back seat of a station wagon between your fighting siblings. Um, hey, uh, I've been in that s- scenario a couple of times, and I've been one of the fighting siblings also. But maybe you were a kid sitting in the back seat of an old station wagon. Uh, maybe you were a teen, bored out of your mind, and uh, you know what? You're halfway into this road trip, and you're feeling around your pockets. You're like, oh no, I forgot my headphones. What am I going to do? How am I going to make it? How am I going to survive? Right? Um, Hey, maybe you're on the other side of the equation. Maybe you're in the front seat. Maybe you were the parent of one of these cranky kids or these cranky teenagers, and they just wouldn't go to sleep. They just wouldn't settle down. They wouldn't quit fighting. Uh, A different scenario. Here's another fourth scenario. Maybe you're on a Greyhound bus. Maybe you were on a bus full of people, but you know what? You were all alone. You didn't know anybody on the bus. You were a total stranger to everyone. Or maybe perhaps you had to drive cross-country all by yourself. Just you and your thoughts and the radio, no one to talk to, no one to laugh with, no one even to argue with. Whatever your story, uh, we've all heard these words from somebody, or we've said these words, or you've said these words, and that is this, just a little further, just a little longer. Just a little longer in this road trip. Hey, that phrase, just a little longer, uh, for some means more torture, right? It means more torture, more agony. It means that there's more unbearable activity and I I can't stand it. For other people, for other people though, the concept of just a little longer, it's a clarion call to hang on, right? It's a call to stand firm and it's a call to persevere. It's that perspective, it's that perspective that we need to latch on to today. What makes, let me ask this question, what makes one marathon runner dig deep and then dig deeper and go a little further while other people, they just give up? What empowers someone to survive in the wilderness where other people can't? Is it just skill? Is it just uh, the, the ability to, to know the elements? 
That's not necessarily the case because we can, we can dive into online and do the research and find that, that people who had no training and survival skills uh, have survived time in the elements all alone, right? What drives people to bear up under persecution, trials, and tribulation? When many fold under the pressure. That was the story in the early church. The early church come under great persecution, great trial, and great tribulation. And there were many that folded, but there were lots and lots and lots of that early church and of the church throughout history that stood under the pressure. Why did they, how were they able to stand under that pressure? We see these same concepts in the life of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is a great example for us as Christians now in 2020. He's a great example for us to go a little further. What drove him to be the man of God that he was? I'm going to give you a quick recap, just some of the things over the last several months that we've studied through the book of Acts, specifically about the Apostle Paul. Now, some of these translate all to, to the rest of the uh, apostles as well. But primarily at looking at the Apostle Paul, he was the foremost enforcer of Judaism before he became a believer. Then he, was, then he came to faith in Jesus on that road to Damascus. Then he became the strong convert and preached the good news of Jesus immediately, just a few days later. Then he escaped death by being lowered into the city, lowered out of the city in a basket. Then he was engaging in the vision and the mission of the church. Then we see Paul heading out on multiple mission trips to preach Jesus all over the known world and to start new churches. We see Paul being accused of starting riots and negatively affecting commerce. We see Paul being imprisoned, beaten, stoned, and left for dead. We see Paul being falsely accused of sedition by the Jews. Paul being beaten, flogged, and interrogated by the Jews and the Romans. We see Paul escaping an assassination attempt. We also see him appealing to Caesar. And his appeal to Caesar, which is kind of where the end of the book of Acts, and that's what we're we're zeroing in on that target. His appeal to Caesar was equivalent for you and I to appeal to the Supreme Court of the United States. It was the highest court in the, in the Roman world, appealing to Caesar directly. Then we see Paul imprisoned again by Roman officials in Caesarea for the last two years. Uh, Tim Wiebe talked about that this last week and all that went with that. And the fact that that quite possibly was where he wrote the book of Hebrews. The last thing that we look at is we see him questioned by multiple Roman leaders, Felix and Festus and King Agrippa, who he almost, he almost converted. And if we can go to that next slide, we'll see this. I want to look at this just for a second. And if you have your Bibles in front of you, if not, if you can see the screen, um, we'll look at just these couple of verses here and keep moving. Acts 26, 27 and 28. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets, Paul says, after he gave his whole story, his whole account of his conversion and ministry and passion for following Christ? The Apostle Paul says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God 
that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am. In other words, I'm hoping that everybody follows Christ. I'm hoping that everybody grabs a hold of Jesus' kingdom as a, uh, and, and puts their trust and hope in Jesus. Except, he says, he doesn't hope that everybody's in chains. He doesn't hope that everybody's in chains. Right? A quick little 30-foot flyover for the rest of the Apostle Paul and uh, moving through the last couple chapters of the book of Acts, we're going to see where, and if you read it, and I encourage you to read it, we're going to see a couple of things. I have four things on my list. We're going to see where he, he was set sail for Rome to go appeal to Caesar. Then you're going to see where he was shipwrecked on the island of Malta and survived. He was bitten by a poisonous snake and survived. And of course, then the last thing that I wanted to bring up is that he healed all those on Malta that were diseased. As a result of him not dying of that snake bite, the people at Malta came together and saw, wow, this guy really is a man of God. He really is who he says he is. And Jesus is who he says he is. And the Apostle Paul healed them of their diseases. But like a marathon runner, what kept Paul going? What kept him from giving up? He was so bent on doing what God had called him to do that he even distanced those who wavered. We see that early in the book of Acts when John Mark, for a short time, decided to kind of go sideways and, and leave their, one of their missionary journeys. So he disdained those who even wavered in the same uh, conviction that Paul had, in the same ministry that Paul had. What is it that kept Paul Paul's engine roaring in spite of his circumstances? One single word that I believe defines Paul's mindset, Paul's life and ministry, and Paul's worldview. You know what that word is? You know what that word is? It's endure. It's endure. The Apostle Paul talked a lot about this idea of enduring. He was all about enduring the current situation and moving on to the next great opportunity. Can that be said of you? Can that be said of me? Are we enduring the situation that we're in? Are we, uh, uh, or as we would hear and think about it, uh, are we enduring that long road trip? That's why I brought that whole concept of road trip up because those are times where we have to learn a lesson of endurance. I know I had to learn a lesson of endurance. I had uh, parents, specifically my dad, who loved to just go and go and go and go and we would travel for hours to buy one small part for a piece of equipment. I had to learn endurance as a kid. I'm still learning endurance, I believe. I think we all are. So how are you doing enduring your current event? It's not about me. How are you guys doing? Post up to Facebook, uh, email or text. You guys have my phone number. Email or text. How are you guys doing in your current situation? Right? Like I mentioned earlier, I'm doing fine. Hey, farming is naturally isolating. It's like there's room for one in the tractor. I'm in the tractor all day, every day, it seems like. So it's naturally isolating. But hey, I miss you guys. Like the only part of my normal routine that's different is my interaction in ministry. And so that's a big part of my heart. And I really miss you guys. I know you guys miss me. At least I hope you do miss me. <laughs> ah! Hey, here's the thing. We have to endure as Christians, right? We have to endure. Paul was so keyed up so much about endurance that he wrote a ton about it. 
right? And I picked up just a few pieces, just a few verses that where Paul was encouraging other believers to endure. And for specific reasons. He encouraged believers in Romans, the, the believers in Romans to endure in light of eternity. Look at Romans chapter 2, verse 7. Eternal life to those, eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. That idea of patient continuance, that's endurance, right? He and, <clears throat> Paul looked at the idea of endurance in regard to unity in the church. A top-level priority for the Apostle Paul in Romans 15.5, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another according to Christ Jesus. That idea of patience is the same word for endurance. Look at Romans chapter 12. Turn back a couple chapters. Romans chapter 12. Paul focuses on endurance through facing trials. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, patient or endurance in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. He doubles up. He doubles down on the idea of, imp- of endurance in that verse alone. Patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly or endure in prayer. Right? So when it comes to facing trials, Paul was all about it. Paul was all about uh, strength being lived out. Colossians 1.11 says, Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all what? For all patience, for all patience and longsuffering with joy. For all endurance. You can interchange endurance and patience uh, back and forth right there. For all patience and longsuffering with all joy. And of course, he was all about the will of God as well. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, the Apostle Paul says, For you have need of, he uses the word there, you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise, the promise uh, of God leading us, the promise of eternal life. And of course, two more chapters in, later in the book of Hebrews, he tells us this, that Paul tells us that the ultimate example, the ultimate example of endurance was Jesus himself. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the cross for you, and for me. We're going to come back to that. Let's stay on task here. The last example that I had was this one. And it's something that we all need. The Apostle Paul was focused on endurance because endurance gives us the muscle for ministry. Just like a marathon runner works his way up running further and further and further every time he's out on his tennis shoes. We need muscle for ministry. We need muscle for ministry. And so I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles to a piece here where the Apostle Paul encourages his young protege, Timothy. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 13 is where we're going to spend a little bit of time before we conclude. Because there's some real keys here on how the Apostle Paul lays out this idea of endurance and how he's building like a, 
weightlifter. He's building muscle for ministry into the life of the Apostle Paul. And I'll tell you what, that's what I need and that's what you need, as we all need muscle for ministry. Amen? Can I get an amen? Everybody type in an amen, because we're going to try to be as interactive as possible. I wish I had a computer screen facing me so I could see all the comments, but I'm sure there's a bunch of them, right? Is there a bunch? My tech people are all nodding. Nobody wants to talk while I'm talking. That's fine. Muscle for ministry, 2 Timothy 2. Let's start at verse 1. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Stop right there. Verse 2 is an awesome verse when it talks about a ministry legacy. All by itself. Side note, I'm not going to charge you a nickel for this idea. Paul is saying, hey, you're not in this for yourself. You're not in this as a one-off believer that has no connection to anybody else. I have a responsibility to the things that I've been taught. I'm passing on to you to pass on to other people, to pass on to other people, and down and down and down the tree it goes, right? The things that you have heard from me and among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Verse 3, you therefore, here's that word again, you therefore must endure hardship, right? You therefore must endure hardship. Let me tell you what, I'm going to crank it up a notch. Hardship is not optional, right, for the believer. Hardship is not optional. Right? It, it is what God's part of God's will for our lives as believers. And so Paul says, therefore you must endure hardship. Therefore connects it to the previous verse. Because of your Christian lineage, because of your ministry lineage, you need muscle to endure hardship because of what God has started through me and through you and through the people that you're teaching. So therefore we must endure hardship. And he gives us the first clue. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he, must, that he may please him who has enlisted him as a soldier. Verse 5, And also, if anyone com- competes as an, in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. There's that idea of the marathon runner, right? If anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he completes according to the rules. Verse 6, the hardworking farmer must, first, uh, must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Verse 8, remember that Jesus Christ <clears throat> of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, evil even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure, there's our word again, therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Verse 11, this is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, He also will deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. I wonder if the Apostle Paul was reflecting back when he wrote this, chained in house arrest in Rome, 
the last few chapters of the book of Acts gives us that context. But I wonder if he was writing this in view of those current situation. In regard to these, these things that he had endured ever since he was a brand new believer. Ever since he was stopped by Jesus on the road to Damascus. I wonder if those were the things that were rolling through his mind in regard to endurance. And he's thinking to himself, perhaps, man, I have to pass this on. I have to teach the next generation. People, if we don't teach the next generation have to, how to endure hardships, they're going to continue to bail out of the church and out of Christianity. We must teach this principle to endure for the sake of Christ. It's a, it's a mandate. It's a mandate that I have, and I'm hoping that's a mandate that you have. And we have to have the right perspective. Next week, we're going to talk about the right message that goes with endurance. This week, it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. So Paul gives us, he uses three metaphors. He gives us three ideas. He puts three pictures in our mind, just like last night and early in the sermon here, I gave you the picture of this long road trip, and we even have it as a backdrop on the, uh, for our slideshow, right? This idea of a long road trip. He uses three metaphors. First one, he uses the good soldier metaphor, right? Are you under authority? Are you obeying authority? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to, to, to give your all, right? He uses a good soldier metaphor. Napoleon Bonaparte, he used the idea, he thinks that endurance, he thinks that endurance is the highest uh, necessity for a soldier, more so than sacrifice. Because if you will endure, then you will sacrifice. But you won't sacrifice if you won't endure. Right? The second metaphor that the Apostle Paul uses is a disciplined athlete. Hey, any of these any of these athletes, and especially the top-level elites, they work harder than anybody else in their profession. LeBron James, Steph Curry, Michael Jordan, all of those top-level athletes, they put hours and hours and untold hours into their craft and perfected it. They spent time not only in the weight room, but in the video room. They spent time on the court. They spent time with specialized trainers. They were this word. They were disciplined at what they were doing, right? Paul uses that same idea that if, if you're going to compete in, in athletics in an event, you're going to go by the rules. You're going to endure the rules. You're going to endure the pain. You're going to endure the competition, and the third one uh, is a little close to me, hard-working farmer. I should have put my hat on, my sunglasses, and had a little uh, wheat straw hanging out of my mouth for this one, right? The hard-working farmer. Hey, we've been busting it out on the farm. Come on by anytime. You'll see dust flying but at our place. He uses the idea of the hard-working farmer as the first one, as the first one to enjoy the fruits of his labor. There's four strategies also in that passage that we'll get to. Four strategies for enduring the end of the marathon, enduring this marathon of Christianity. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to the gospel, according to my gospel. Right? So the first strategy that we can pick up when it comes to 
enduring our situation and our circumstance is to rely, to remember and to rely and to rest in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you haven't done that, if, you, if you're not a Christ follower and you're just thumbing through Facebook and thought, oh, I wonder who this goofy guy is. Maybe I should click on this and listen to him. Uh, my first and foremost advice is for you to do a little research and see if Jesus is who he says he is. Don't take my word for it. Do your own research. Do your own research like Lee Strobel did and come to your own conclusions. And I believe that if you're honest and objective you'll see that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. And then the next step is for you to put your faith and trust in him for your sins and dying on the cross, paying the penalty for your sins. Right? The second strategy I want to talk about is is this, is that God's word is powerful. God's word is powerful. Look at verse 9. For which I did not suffer... For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. The word of God is not chained. We may be in this crazy scenario in our culture and, and, and uh, feeling hampered and feeling that somehow our rights are violated or, or we can't go and do what we want to do or people look weird at us when we're out in public like we're a criminal or whatever. I don't know what you're perspective is it doesn't really matter here's what matters the word of god is not chained paul was under house arrest when he wrote this he didn't have the freedom to go about and he wasn't whining about it right he was honest with where things were but he saw that the word of god is not chained and so that he sat there pen and paper he sat there every time they rotated guards in and out and chained him to a different guard or had a different guy at the door. Guess what? Guess what? They, they heard about Jesus. He took advantage of every opportunity that's possible. Are you taking advantage of every opportunity that's possible? Or are you whining and complaining about our situation and our circumstance? Just take advantage of the circ- situation and know that God's word is not chained. His word is powerful. Second one is in, third one is in verse 10. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. That's you and I. That's all the believers, right? Through all the time. Therefore, I endure all things. He's saying, I'm willing to be chained for the sake of everybody else. That they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul's saying, our circumstances don't matter in re, in in uh, regard to what's going on around us, they don't matter as compared to the fact that the gospel needs to go out, that our neighbors need encouragement, that your neighbors need encouragement. And he says, I'm willing to be bound. I'm willing to be bound. Hey, here's the the point I wanted to make. God's sovereign purposes will succeed. They'll succeed if you have freedom or if you're chained. They will succeed whether we stay in this goofy Lockdown, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, new normal. Everybody hates that phrase, new normal, right? Anyways, we stay in this new normal. It doesn't matter. God's purposes are going to go forward whether you're complaining or whether you're filled with joy. God's purposes are going to go forward whether you live in a free country or if you live in red communist China. It doesn't matter. God's purposes are going to go forward. Are we going to embrace that? Are we going to be engaged in that? Or are we not? But I'll tell you what. 
I'm on the side of God's sovereign purposes will, will succeed, right? I want to be on the winning team. We want to be on the winning team. I'm encouraging you, be on the winning team, right? God's purposes are going to succeed. Which leads us to our fourth strategy. The fourth thing that we have to believe is true is that His promises are trustworthy. If we don't believe that God's promises are trustworthy and that His word is powerful, then how are we ever going to feel like that we're winning? How are we ever going to feel like that you're a part of the winning team? Right? If we don't believe that first Jesus is a risen Savior, we're not on the right team, so it doesn't much matter. But His word is powerful, His purposes will succeed, and His promises are trustworthy. And we'll see that, you see that in this faithful saying. Right? For if we died with Him, we shall live with Him. I'm in verse 11. If we endure, we shall also reign with Him. A little side point, there's a bonus. If we endure, we shall also reign with Him. All over the scriptures, it talks about endurance for the sake of our future relation, our current and future relationship with God. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. That goes to the point about being in a relationship with Him. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. Hey, I realize we're going to waver. We're going to have days where we're not feeling it. We're going to have days where we don't want to endure where we don't want to do what God has called us to do. We don't want to pray. There's going to be days where you don't feel like fasting, where you don't feel like doing your devotions, where you don't feel like praying and spending time with the Lord. I get it. In those moments, you have to circle back around. Why? Because God is faithful. And His promises, His promises are, all from the front cover to the back cover, His promises are trustworthy. They were trustworthy all the way from Adam and Eve to John who wrote the book of Revelation. We can trust in His promises. We can trust in His promises. Through trusting in His promises, relying upon Him to empower you through the power of the Holy Spirit, to walk as a Christian, as He's called you to walk, as He's called me to walk, we can have joy and we can have freedom regardless of our circumstances. But it takes this little tiny word that's so huge, and that word is endure. 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 We have to endure. The question I want to leave you with is are you receiving Jesus' power to endure? Are you receiving Jesus' power to endure? This week, a uh, few fellas, I was a part of a group of a few fellas that, that uh, challenged one another to fast and pray. Fast and pray as men, as men of God, as leaders in the church and leaders in our families and leaders in our communities, to fast about our current situation, to fast about, for me personally, fasting about direction of the church, fasting about uh, and, 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 and clearing our minds to hear God. When you decide to fast, you are making a choice to endure. You're making a choice to endure. You're making a choice to deny something 
so that you can endure and hear from God. I would encourage you, this is a side note, not even in my notes, side note, consider, if you're struggling with endurance, consider fasting and praying to hear from God, right? But are you receiving Jesus' power to endure? And if you're not in His hands, if you're not in His hands, you're not going to have the power to endure. There's a great video that I want to play as we conclude. I'll just step off and let the video speak for itself. As we cue it up. This is from a, this is from a fella down south. And I felt it was a, a great perspective for us to, to end on. Whose hands are we in? That's why I asked the question. Are you receiving Jesus' power to endure? If you're not in His hands, you don't have that power. Go ahead, Michaela. I'll be right back. Ever had somebody send you something that was just too good not to share, but maybe a little too much to type? Well, my dad sent me something the other day, and I thought it was awesome, so I was just going to share it with you. If you take basketball right here, you put it in my hands, yeah, it's worth about 15 bucks. That's it. But you put that basketball in the hands of LeBron James, it's worth about 30 or 40 million. You take this football right here, you put it in my hands, it's worth about, I don't know, 10 $11 probably. You put it in the hands of Peyton Manning, it's worth about 50 $60 million. Depends on whose hands it is. You take this golf club right here, you put it in my hands, ah, it might be worth 50 bucks, maybe. You put it in the hands of Tiger Woods, though, it's worth 80 million. You see, it depends on whose hands it in. If I have a stick in my hand, a rod in my hand, I might beat away an animal or a wild animal or something trying to come at me. But you put it in the hands of Moses and it part of the Red Sea. You put a slingshot in my hands. It just becomes a kid's toy. You put it in the hands of King David and he slays a giant with it. See, it depends on whose hand it is in. And, you know, two fishes and five loaves of bread would feed me with some bread left over. You put it in the hands of Jesus, and it feeds thousands. Depends on whose hands that it's in. If I had a couple of nails in my hand right now, I might would build you a birdhouse if you're lucky. Might nail down a piece of wood. But you put them same nails in Jesus' hands, and it leads to salvation and eternal life for folks who love him and folks who trust him. You see, it depends on whose hands that it's in. And your worries and your cares and the things that's got you stressed out, if you leave them in your hands, that's all they're ever going to be. But if you put them same worries and cares and your problems in the hands of Christ, he's going to see you through it. He's going to take care of every need that we got. Y'all take care and have a blessed day. But just remember, it depends on whose hands that it's in. Give everything you've got to God and let him handle it. What do you think? Oh, put that guy's picture back up there. All right, there we go. Uh, a little side note. You tell me. Do we look like we could be related? <laughs> I think so. I don't even know this guy, but I thought it was a great word I thought it was a great word in regard to endurance. I thought it was a great word into relying upon Christ. 
realizing where our power comes from, and trusting, and trusting in God's plan. Trusting in God's plan. Hey, if we could see, if we could see where all of this is going, if we had a crystal ball or whatever object or or uh, whatnot to see where all this is going, guess what? We wouldn't have to live by faith, would we? We could just live by sight. We're not called to live by sight. We're called to live by faith. We're Continue to, to endure in Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Father, that we can come, we can look in your word, uh, that we can find encouragement in who you've created us to be, who you've recreated us to be. Uh, not encouragement in who we were without you, but encouragement in who we are when we're in you and we're in your hands. So thank you for today. Father, give us the power to endure. We love you only because you loved us first. And we look forward, Father, to hearing from you this week and uh, spending time as much time as we can spend together uh, throughout the week until we come back again. Uh, thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. See you next week.